Welcome one and all to episode 162 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are going to finish up the Power 5, allegedly, conference. And finish up with the Big 12, which if you heard our episode last week on the on the Pac-12, you heard we struggled to get through here. Um, and the Big 12 has some some guys that are a little higher in. We've got some interesting edge rushers, some interesting offensive linemen. Um, not quite as many skill position stars, but it's still an interesting group nonetheless. But before we get going, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Um, Power Five, it's, it's funny the way we talk about this. Uh, we, we talked about the Big Ten, which has 14 teams. We did the ACC, which, uh, like the Big Ten and the SEC, also has 14 teams. And we did the Pac-12, which really has 12 teams. And now we've got the Big 12, which has 10 teams. So it's a little hard to keep up with. And all of that, as we know, is going to be changing. The landscape of college football is changing year to year. Uh, we know Oklahoma and Texas are eventually bound for the SEC. And, uh, but they are going to be talked about in this show tonight because, for now, they're still part of the Big 12, which used to be the Big 8, but is actually the Big 10 now. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting group um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of flux. Um, you and I were pretty pretty strong disbelievers in like Iowa State last year, and they lost basically everything. We talked about TCU um, on the other shows where we talked about the transfers that they lost and their running back and, and edge edge rusher. Um, and so, you know, you just look at these, you just look at these teams, especially at the bottom. And I would say from five to 10, it, it's, it's ugly. Um, one to four is going to be kind of interesting to watch unfold because there's so, so much unknown, um, as as is every week, we are using Athlon's rankings, and we're going to start with number 10 because we can whip through these kind of quickly with Kansas, um, who I believe has, what, the third best coach in college football? Was that what it was? I can't remember <laughs> from that show last year. but Yeah, if we're talking about uh, Lance Leopold, he was ranked ahead of um, coaches like well, notably Ryan Day was one that was left off that that coaching list. And that was PFF doing those preseason coaching rankings last year. So Kansas, um, they, you know, they're a program that always seems to be on the downswing ever since like Mark Mangino was there, and uh, it just doesn't seem like they're gonna break. You know, they're gonna break out and, and escape last place. Um, Athlon seems to think this program's on the right track. They, in fact, those are that's the exact phrase, right track they use. Um, and and maybe that's so, but it's still a team that doesn't have a lot of NFL talent from from top to bottom. But they do have one guy, and that's safety Kenny Logan, <clears throat> six feet, uh, two hundred and ten pounds, and he had one hundred and ten tackles last year, four tackles for loss, a pick, two forced fumbles, six pass breakups. This is a guy who is around the ball all the time. And from where I'm sitting, at least as far as 2023 eligibility is concerned, he's their best NFL prospect. I don't really, there's not really much uh, else in the cabinet this year for, for Kansas as far as 2023 prospects. Yeah, it's a tough year for Kansas. Um, we'll see how Leopold continues to, to change or if he can change the culture the basketball school kansas um another basketball school texas tech they have another new head coach because they thought for whatever reason getting rid of cliff kingsbury perpetually making lower end bowl games was worse than whatever they're doing now and their new head coach is joey mcguire comes in from baylor 
this is his first job as a head coach in college football, which is interesting. Yeah, he was um, a high school head coach for a long time, but yeah, this is first uh, college football head head coaching gig. And you look at it, they've got a three-man quarterback competition, including uh, Oregon transfer Tyler Shuck. Shuck. Um, we'll see how that plays out. They've got one of the guys that, that I kind of mentioned briefly in, in Tyree Wilson, who's built like a freak, 6'6", 275 pounds, transferred from uh, Texas A&M, after the 2019 season, he ran a four six seven forty in high school. He's coming off 13 and a half tackles for loss and seven sacks. He is a legitimate first round type of prospect coming into this year. And he's going to have to do a lot of the work himself, which I think if he puts up similar type of numbers or is able to improve on those, you have to expect him to at least be in the consideration for the first round with his size and athletic profile. I mean, there, there there's talk that he's a top five, top 10 prospect already. And I think if you look at Trayvon Walker, you have a similar build here, similar um, height and weight length. And if you project with that 40 time, if that 40 time improves, then that's kind of what you're looking at, and you don't have to project the uh, production as much with with um, Tyree Wilson. You know, he was also recruited by a high-end SEC SEC program as well. So I'm not, um, I haven't watched enough Tyree Wilson to make any kind of comparison to Trayvon Walker, except from like a height, weight, athleticism standpoint. But if he's even, you know, a say 80% of the freak athlete that that Walker was, then Tyree Wilson, certainly he's going to be on the high end as far as uh, first round picks. And I don't think it's just like, he's not coming into the year as a borderline first rounder. He's coming into the year blessed by big draft. Like they think this guy's going to be a, an early, early first round pick. Next on the list is TCU and my how the mighty have fallen. They are eighth here. And you talked about how th- this program lost Zach Evans, running back. He's on to Ole Miss this year. They lost uh, one of their pass rushers, O'Shawn Mathis. He's on to Nebraska this year. So this is a program in flux with a new head coach. Yeah, and Sonny Dykes gets another chance in college football to disappoint fans. Well, he was he was exciting for fans of SMU the last couple of years, at least. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just looking at him from when he's been at, uh, you know, again those quote unquote Power Five programs. He's he's never been able to live up to the hype, unfortunately. Um, when you look at TCU, we talked about they lost basically their best um, their best prospects. But they have an interesting one that the the guys on online really love, and that's uh Quentin Johnston, who is a big guy at TCU, uh six four, hundred and ninety-three pounds. I will say his his averages are impressive, and and that's what you know I think gets people excited is because he hasn't played with a good quarterback while at TCU. Um, as a freshman, twenty two receptions for just under five hundred yards, twenty two yards per reception. Uh, last year, as a sophomore, thirty three receptions for six hundred and thirty four yards, just over nineteen yards per catch. Uh, six touchdowns last year, so he improved on that. He had four total touchdowns his freshman year, uh, two receiving, two rushing. Good ball player, um, but is he being overhyped about because of what? They're hoping he can do with, you know, a good quarterback. Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit because uh, the other thing is that he's not necessarily getting a different quarterback. The quarterback competitions here between Max Dugan and, and Chandler Morris. So they're going to have a new offensive scheme with 
with Dykes coming in, but um, I think there's quite a bit of projection going on with Quentin Johnston and draft Twitter and and uh, fantasy Twitter in particular, dynasty fantasy Twitter. They they will gravitate towards some of these bigger receivers, as we saw with, for example, Traylon Burks last year, who I think we might circle back to when we get into hot takes later. But um, yeah, I think Quentin Johnston has some guys ahead of him in this draft class. I, I, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I mean, to me, uh, you've got Smith and Jigba, you've got, uh, you've got Jordan Addison and some other players that even a, a couple we might talk about tonight who I think have done more in their time in college than what Quentin Johnson, Johnston has done. Big guy, that's enticing. Does he get uh, the separation that you want to see? Is he going to be fast enough? I mean, you're playing in the Big 12. You're playing against some soft defenses here. He might struggle with some of the quarterback play that he's going to have to deal with. I think he's a good player, and um, he certainly was a good recruit for them to land. But we, I think we need to see a little bit more. You can see there's big playability. Like you said, he's, he's breaking long plays, but is he going to be a reliable guy from uh, down to down is he going to be every is he going to be able to do all the the full route tree and things like that i think people are going to want to see a little bit more but that being said is still a player who's probably going to be day two pick at worst yeah and you know he's had a good good start to his career we'll see how this goes um Next, we go to uh, West Virginia, another team that's kind of gotten into a, I, I don't know how you put it. They, they've just kind of never progressed after the move to the Big 12 like everybody expected them to, would you not say? Right. This is a program that's in a funk. Um, Was it Neil Brown is the coach, and he's had them about 500 through the first three years of his tenure. So they do mention here at Athlon that, that uh, the Mountaineers have made back-to-back bowl appearances, but you only need five wins some in some of these seasons to get into the bowl. So um, that's not really an impressive feat in my mind. So this is another situation where I think there's going to be a quarterback competition, but it looks like, Georgia transfer JT Daniels is going to get another bite of the apple. JT Daniels, of course, started his career at USC, and uh, he was at Georgia the last couple of years. In his career in college, he's a 63.8% passer, averaging just under eight yards per attempt, 32 TDs, 16 picks, but he's been just uh, had an injury riddled career so far to this point. Uh, he does get reunited with his former offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell. So I think everybody's looking at JT Daniels to be the guy in uh, Neil Brown's fourth season. So maybe this is the year we see a little bit more out of West Virginia. Athlon doesn't really think so. They've got him seventh out of, out of 10 in this conference. They still have a talented defensive player in Dante Stills, um, seven sacks, 15 tackles for loss last year. You know, when you look at guys like Stills, it's tough, right? He's he's a decent-sized guy at 6'4", 280. After his 2019 season where he had 14 tackles for loss and eight sacks, he had a tough... 2020 I don't know what to make of his 2020 they played 10 games he didn't have a great season I mean that's the best way we can put it but didn't so- uh, we all have a tough 2020 Seth? right and so that's you know so to see him bounce back but now he's a super senior in his fifth year good 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 college player I I, I would probably leave it at that right like I don't know that you look at him as a pro prospect and, and like get super excited. But I do think he has uh, 
I do think he has a spot in the league. I, I'm just not sure like where. I think he's a pretty good player. Um, he's kind of a tweener though. You know, if he is six four, I think he's going to be a little shorter than that. And then, then the arms, he's a little short armed at uh, under thirty three inches, so thirty two and three eighths. So he's a bit of a tweener there. He's like, a, you know, three technique maybe to a five technique kind of guy. So it, it's going to be is he a scheme fit for these teams? He's not a pure pass rusher. But you can put him inside, and he's going to get some pressures and some sacks. So there's value there, and I think he's. I I think I might like him a little bit more than you're giving him credit for. But, but um, yeah, is he going to be more like a somewhere in the third to fifth round range, probably? And yeah, and I think and I think that's fair because he's an athleticism motor inside rusher type, right? And, and, and for two eighty five, like supposedly he runs a sub five. 40 which is good and um i think gonna i think be... his, i think his measurements and testing numbers are going to be big because mm-hmm. he seems very outlierish if that makes sense to me yeah well and he's he's a little overage not too bad i mean he'll be 23 at the end of this year so not till december but that means he'll be 24 at the end of his rookie year so um, a little bit overaged. That's gonna. I think that's gonna push him into, like I said, that third, fourth, fifth round. That right in the middle there. Um, third round if somebody really likes him and if it, he excels at testing. But otherwise, probably gonna be fourth or fifth. But he's a good player, and um, it it does give you somebody to watch when you're watching West Virginia because I think that that way you can watch West Virginia. You get get a get to watch J T. Daniels see if he can revive his once promising college career and you get to watch Dante Stills who, you know, frankly, if he was going to be drafted higher, he would have probably declared uh, going into this draft this past year in 2022. You know, what's interesting is that I'm just reading now, Garrett Green is one of the guys. And then obviously uh, Nico Marichal, Marichal um, are the other quarterback guys. And, and they're like splitting reps. So that's that's really again like it's just been a weird thing since Dana Holgerson left. Yeah, I think it's going to help having Harold there uh, and and give Daniels the edge ultimately, as long as he stays healthy. But I mean that's a big if because he didn't stay healthy. He had the job at Georgia, he didn't stay healthy. He had the job at USC, he didn't stay healthy. So really, um, he he's been in a position to win these jobs. And it hasn't been through his play that he's lost the jobs. It's it's been more staying healthy. But as they say, the best ability is availability. Next on the list is a team that's just in disarray after having what was supposed to be their best team potentially ever in Iowa mm-hmm. State. Um, what were they preseason like sixth overall last year? Yeah, they, I mean there were people predicting them to go to the playoffs. And sadly, they wound up losing to Clemson in the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah, they, they've, I mean, just a, no, no other way to put it, but a, just a completely disappointing season. Why uh, do people se- think Matt Campbell's such a good coach? Because the year before, they went 9-3. and three. Do people still like him? I mean, I, wasn't he getting interviews for NFL jobs? Here's my thing. Campbell's on the same page as, like, the Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he might be a little above that because he's got a nine and three on his resume, but like it's Iowa State. You can't move on from him. You know, they 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 won the Fiesta Bowl and and um and he loves it there too. Yeah, I mean well, but if you're him, why would you leave? Because you know you go he eight and f- you you go eight. I mean, he's literally like leaning into Kirk Ferentz territory. Yeah, but I mean, he's so young, and he's getting these these NFL, um, like getting this interest from the NFL. But I get what you're saying. Like, it, you the Kirk Ferentz path or the Pat Fitzgerald path is not a bad way to go. You get a lot of right. There's uh, less, a lot of leeway. There's there's less moving around. Yeah. So, um, you know their their prospect pool is is down after last year. Like we said. Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, Brock Purdy, Mike Rose. 
They still have Will McDonald. He had a great had, year last year, 11 and a half sacks. Why didn't he declare? Yeah, that's going to be my question because, again, another super senior. Um, and it's not like he was a one-year wonder, right? Like, you look back, he had six sacks in 2019. He had 10 and a half sacks in COVID 2020 year, and then he had 11 and a half sacks last year. Like, I think he's just not going to test that well. I think it's a matter of, I, you know, um, who was the kid from Cincinnati? MyJ Sanders. He's on your Cardinals now. Remember how he had to drop down to like 230 to test at the combine, and then he had to bulk back up to 245 at the uh, pro day so that he had a good weight? I, I think McDonald's kind of like that. You know, McDonald, and I don't, I'm looking right now because I don't remember. Yeah, he's a little different, but McDonald kind of reminds me of Marcus Golden coming out of Missouri, right? So another like, guy who's not going to test that well. Right, but he's had a, uh, I mean, great is probably a strong statement, but I mean, Golden's been a guy in Arizona and New York and, you know, back in Arizona again. In, in seven seasons, he's got, three 10 plus sack seasons um i mean as a second round pass rusher we talk about it all the time it's like if you don't get a pass rusher in the first round it, it's hard to have success uh so i mean it's not i'm not saying he's mcdonald's gonna be a second round guy but that's just you know that that's kind of like we're saying like that's what's going to limit him and probably why he did not come out uh they also have a a wide receiver that's back in, in Xavier Hutchinson. Um, you know, it's interesting because as bad as Purdy was, Hutchinson's a volume guy, right? Uh, 83 receptions for 987 yards, just under 12 yards per reception, five touchdowns. Like, he's not blowing you away with numbers. He's a junior college transfer, so he's a super senior as well. But he's younger. Uh, McDonald is McDonald is going to be 24 next June. Uh, Hutchinson is about a year younger. Yeah, so he'll be about 23. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a true super senior, like a true fifth-year guy. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously he wasn't a guy that was going to come into the NFL as a, as a day-two type of guy. He's a possession receiver. But yeah, he looks to me, he looks bigger than what they've got him listed at. They've got him listed at like six two, two ten. Yeah, he's always and looked so, bigger. So that was my question, though: is like you're losing Purdy, you're losing Hall, you're losing Kohler. I mean, from a draft prospect perspective, just looking at the mirror of it, like it, it seems like they, there's not a lot that he can do to improve on his stock unless Iowa state just puts up a surprisingly good year with the, with a whole new slew of talent. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to have uh Jarrell Brock filling at running back. Um, their quarterback they're projecting is going to be Hunter Deckers. So <clears throat> they're going to look really, really different at those two positions than what we've seen the last two years. But Hutchinson, I think, Similarly to a couple of the guys we've talked about, maybe is coming back more for the, for the team, knowing that, like you said, it, was he going to really improve his stock, or is he just content to know that his stock's going to be, you know, he's he was a day three guy last year, he's going to be a day three guy this year, but let's run it back and see if we can do something better than than uh, losing the cheese at bowl. I mean, it's not the worst. The cheese bowl's in Orlando. It's right. It's, it's in the winter. It's not a bad place to be. I went I, to. I, I as I said before, I went to the game. I'm sure so. they got to go to Disney World and stuff. Like it's not yeah. a bad thing. Uh, Kansas State's next, and, and again, we just continue to discuss. This team is interesting. Like if anybody's like going to top, I kind of like if them. Any, if anybody's going to top or crack the top four, it's them, and they have you know an elusive dynamic running back in Deuce Vaughn who, I mean, he's really it's gonna, good. It's going to be about his size coming out. Like that's all it's going to be about. Um, 
And then they have quarterback Adrian Martinez. And so Martinez never took the step while he was at Nebraska that people were hoping he would. But he was still incredibly dynamic with his legs. Is is this like a chance to go back to like old school run the football with your quarterback and and have this dynamic running back as well? Um, Did you see who their offensive coordinator is now? No, who is it? Colin Klein, the former oh. quarterback. Nice. So I think that kind of answers your question because you look at how Colin Klein played quarterback at K-State and now you bring in Adrian Martinez, who's a more dynamic athlete, I think, than, than Klein was. And you pair him with Deuce Vaughn, who had 1,872 yards and 22 touchdowns from scrimmage last year. Um, he's a big-time producer at running back and receiver. He's kind of looks, he kind of looks like Darren Sproles, former K-State guy. We don't want to make that direct comparison, but if you look at the height, weight, and the quickness, you, you've got some similarities there. And, you know, I, I like the fit of Martinez, who it just seemed like never seemed comfortable with Scott Frost, although we supposedly that was supposed to be a good fit as well. It didn't materialize. But I like them. Uh, they've got a left tackle, Cooper Beebe, who's going to be an NFL prospect. He's playing left tackle. And they've got a uh, big-time pass rusher in, in Felix. And a DK. Uzoma, I hope I said that right. Nailed it. 11 sacks last year. I think he was second to McDonald in the Big 12 in sacks last year. McDonald had 11 and a half, and Enodike Uzoma had 11. I remember, you know, you mentioned Colin Klein. He was third in the Heisman voting in 2012. It's a long so. time ago, but uh, I do remember that, yeah. They're, it's going to be an interesting team because, I mean, if they can get the production out of Martinez where you're talking about a guy that goes for, you know, 2,500 and then 1,000 rushing and he puts up similar touchdown numbers, 13, you know, rushing, and he gets into the 20, 25 range passing, you're, you're going to talk about a team that offensively is, is tough because of the running game. Um, Martinez and, and, just really, his problem is he turns the ball over. He, he fumbles a lot. He's throwing a lot of picks. If he keeps turning the ball over, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to surprise anybody. But if he can, if if they can tighten that up, then I think they've got some interesting weapons in the backfield and the making of a dynamic run game that could give some of these, like I said, uh, Big 12 defenses. I think they're, some of these teams are getting a little better on D, but some of them are still pretty soft and um, you can gash them. The top four is really interesting, and we're going to obviously go through everybody, but Texas comes in with, obviously, redshirt freshman quarterback Quinn Ewers, who went up, made a couple a cool million dollars while he was uh, redshirting at Ohio State and then transferred to where, <laughs> apparently, he was going to go all along, right? Yeah, I respect, uh, I respect the hustle. That's a good move. Yeah. I uh, Bijan Robinson, we've talked about him ad nauseum, one of the best players in college football. Um, might be running back one in this class, despite uh, the NFS saying that the guy that's not as good is is better than him. Um, they had a couple running backs ahead of him, right? Including Zach I, Charbonnet, which is really weird. I don't mind the Evans one, but it was the, the kid that's the Jameer Gibbs that was really interesting to me. Gibbs is getting a lot of hype in Bama from uh, the Bama defensive players too. But he's um, so it was he's, Charbonnet he's just, that really. He's just so undersized, though. Yeah, but you know he he'll get that Bama tax. Anyway, they they also have a interesting wide receiver transfer Isaiah Nayor who comes in from Wyoming. Nayor, you want to talk about production? We'll skip twenty twenty where he had eight receptions for 250 yards, so 31 yards per reception. But last year at Wyoming, and again, they list him as a freshman because, you know, wonky COVID stuff, but he is technically draft eligible. 
44 receptions for 878 yards, so 20 yards per reception, 12 receiving touchdowns. So literally better than 25% of his catches were touchdowns. Uh, I know Wyoming is not a Power 5 school. I don't know if going to Texas and playing in the Big 12 is that much of a step up outside of the fact that he's going to be playing with potential first-round picks in, in B. John Robinson and, and Ewers. But it's going to be interesting because they also added Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama, who never could get out of Nick Saban's doghouse, it seemed like, right? Yeah, it was, he was notoriously buried last summer publicly by Saban, and he just couldn't get out of it. I think we also should mention, even though he's not draft eligible, Xavier Worthy, speedster, only 19 years old, uh, had a big year as a, a true freshman. He's a true sophomore this year, so we'll be talking about him next summer. Um, Nayer, that- I think, is like a fourth-year junior, but or maybe a fourth-year sophomore, depending on how they list him right now. But And, and another name we have to mention, De- DeMarvian Overshone. Um, he's a... F- Fifth year senior. Senior, yeah. Yeah, fifth year senior. Tall, we kind of lean linebacker. Yeah, we were kind of surprised he didn't come out last year, but, um, you know, he's going to be the leader of a defense that is trying to add talent. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. Um, I think, I think for him, he wanted to. I, I think he just wanted to have a better final hurrah in college. Like more than anything else, yeah. Because like they, weren't, they weren't good on defense last year. No, they finished just out inside the top one hundred. Which there's 130 teams, so that's not good. They finish. <laughs> and this they is finished ninety ninth. Yeah, this is the I mean, they're supposed horns, to, man. Yeah, so Sarkeesian in year two going to be. I think. I mean, you look at it. They've they've put up thirty five over thirty five points per game, top twenty offense in college football. But again, 99th in defense. That's not a recipe for success. Um, so on Thursday, we're going to be on Patreon. Uh, we're going to be talking about some sleepers from the Big 12. Spoiler, I don't think we've got anybody from Texas that we're going to talk about on that episode because we've already got a Texas preview up on Patreon, uh, a Texas watch list that's on the generational tier. So for two bucks a month, you get the extra bonus episode every week. We've been talking about sleepers from each of the conferences. Now's a good time to subscribe because you can go back and listen to all those shows from the summer and you didn't have to pay for June and July. Uh, if you want to go on to the generational tier, that's where you're going to get the watch lists of all the teams. And we're through about 10 or 11 and we'll get uh, definitely at least that many more over the next couple of weeks before we start the season. Uh, around Labor Day. So keep an eye out for that. That's my plug. And unless you have anything else about Texas, we can move on to number three, Oklahoma State. Yep, Oklahoma State's number three. Uh, coming off a 12-2 and two season where, you know, it was one of those situations where they had their opportunities. Um, they literally came up short <laughs> at the – at the goal line, right in the in the Big Twelve yeah. Championship game, and that's what got Baylor and, into it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they had chances to be in the college football playoffs. Let's just be honest, and and right. they blew it. Um, they ended up having a big win over Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, they I, they jumped them early too. Yeah, it, it's really, I mean, with who they're bringing back, Spencer Sanders, at, at quarterback, just under 3,000 yards, had over 650 rushing yards, 26 total TDs. Uh, they bring back their uh, leading receiver in, or sorry, their, their number two receiver in Brennan Presley, uh, who had 619 yards and five touchdowns last year, you know, they had a super senior in Tay Martin that moved on, you know. Um, but Presley, small, dynamic guy with the ball in his hands. Um, is he a true junior? 
I believe so. And to clarify, I meant Notre Dame jumped Oklahoma State early, and Oklahoma State came back in that game. Yeah. Just to clarify what I was saying, because I realized I was not uh, very clear there. But uh, yeah, I believe Presley is a true junior, and he really his claim to fame is the return game. But he'll get a, a lot more opportunities to contribute in the pass game now as he's the top returning receiver. Um, but like, you know, 5'8", 175, he's, uh, as we like to quote Mike Mayock, one of the uh, draft Twitter, draft Nick legends of the game, he, uh, Presley, is maybe a quicker than fast guy because coming out of high school, he was a 4'6 player. As we always like to say, 40 times one of the easiest ones to improve upon. So maybe we'll get a faster time by the time he get, goes into the draft. But uh, this guy has the look of a slot receiver at the next level, but also a dynamic return man, especially on the kick returns. They they bring back their second leading running back uh, rusher at running back. Obviously, Sanders was number two overall in and Dominic Richardson who kind of got used in the big back role last year um you know Jalen Warren the he's with the Pittsburgh Steelers now was 5'8 215 pounds but he got the the bulk of the work neither guy really averaged a lot of yards per carry 4.8 for Warren 4.7 for Richardson so if he gets that uptick in work, he'd probably have a similar outlook, uh, statistically speaking, to what we saw from, from Warren last year. They've got some pass rushers coming back. Colin Oliver, true sophomore, not draft eligible, but he led the team with ten and a half sacks. We'll be talking about him next year around this time. Uh, Brock Martin is draft eligible. He had nine sacks. So that's a pretty good set of bookends for the for the Big 12 and uh, gives Oklahoma State some nice, uh, nice return on their defense. They're going to have to restock that secondary, though, because their top corners transferred to uh, LSU and Ohio State, respectively. So those guys are are out the door they're gonna have to restock there and uh, the guys it was uh, Jarek Bernard Converse who went on to LSU and I forget the uh, Ohio State kid's name but uh, it was Tanner McAllister sorry that went to Ohio State as a transfer so those are the top two defensive backs in terms of passes broken up on the team they're going to have to replace that but at least they have a couple pass rushers who are going to make life difficult for any opposing quarterback next is oklahoma and and we're a little i'm not gonna lie a little surprised that they come in at number two i know brett venables is in his first year as a head coach uh that we obviously know about all the transfers out uh, but I think we do have to talk a little bit about the transfers in, right? Dylan Gabriel being the leading guy there uh, at quarterback. This dude was incredibly productive for two seasons at, at UCF. Um, 3,600 yards, 29 touchdowns as a freshman, Thirty, just under 3,600 yards, 32 touchdowns as a sophomore. Got hurt and lost his job. And, you know, he's now at Oklahoma, but they're not the same Oklahoma, right? Like it's, it's a completely different Oklahoma, but maybe it can be better is not the word I'm looking for, but maybe it can be just different in the sense that we know Venables is a masterclass at, at recruiting and scheming defensively. Yeah. And what he did that, works for at least this season is he brings in uh, Jeff Levy to be the offensive coordinator, reuniting him with Gabriel. So those guys spent time together on the same, they, they were on the same team in I think 2019, which like you said, Gabriel put up big numbers. Um, this gives them a stopgap at quarterback while they, you know, lick their wounds from losing all those transfers to USC. So you've got capable 
a capable quarterback offensive coach matchup there. And you've got Marvin Mims, uh, 32 catches, 705 yards, 22 yards per catch last year, five touchdowns, and he supposedly runs a sub 4-4. So we, we've mentioned Mims on this show a number of times. You've also got Anton Harrison, who's projected to be one of the top offensive tackles in this draft. So you've got pieces there. You've got Eric Gray returning. He's the Tennessee transfer at running back. You've got pieces on that offense. You've got a skilled offensive coordinator to pair with that defensive head coach. So I think, to me, it's a little surprising that Oklahoma's still not favored to win the Big 12. And again, um, Oklahoma is one of those teams that we've got a uh, full watch list up on Patreon, too. Um, But I don't have a watch list up for the team they put number one here. Yeah, number one is reigning Big 12 champs, Baylor. and. This is this is what I was talking about with the Oklahoma move to Venables. You weren't going to get a like coach it, from Riley, right? Like you weren't going to be able to make a move to get somebody that was equivalent to Riley offensively. So you kind of go the complete opposite direction, bring in Venables. It's worked wonders for uh, David Aranda and 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 Baylor after, you know, the, I mean, I don't even know how the, the scandal where they lost, you know, their coach at the time. Um, and, and basically went back into the, the cellar of, in terms of college football, it's, they're back with just a dominant defense and, and, you know, they've got a couple guys that, that rule the roost. Um, Siake Ika is a massive human being, a massive nose tackle. He played at LSU, um, was on the national championship team, I believe, correct? Yes. He, so yeah. he, he's in his second year now at Baylor. Yeah. And so uh, when I say massive, uh, he's not quite Jordan Davis, but 6'4", 350. I mean, dude is not tiny by any means. Does he run a four seven though? No, he's probably going to be closer to a five seven. So he's going to be more like Danny Shelton, right? So, but I mean, you're talking about a guy that is just a massive human being. Um, their their leading tackler from last year um, is gone, but they they have uh, linebacker Dylan Doyle, who was number two on the team in tackles. Um, I think the the loss they're going to miss the most, though, to me, is going to be uh, Jalen Petrie, who was kind of a a Swiss Army knife, right? He was like uh, their honey badger. Yeah, and so you got you're missing him. Uh, Did you mention Gabe Hall? No, and that's what I was going to say next. You know, you have, but you do have Gabe Hall, who's a good another. I mean, you look at Ika and Hall. That's a that's a ferocious front, man. <laughs> Um, you know, Eco Eco only had three and a half sacks. Again, three hundred fifty pounds. You don't expect sacks, but but Hall six five two ninety, and he had five sacks last year. Seven tackles for loss. That's I mean, they are not, and I don't want anybody to take it this way. They are not the Georgia pair, but they're like the Big Twelve version of that. If that makes sense, the light version, right? The Big Twelve version where you don't have to be nearly (laughs) as good. But it does mean that Baylor actually has a strong defense, relatively speaking, in a conference that hasn't been known for its defensive play, Um, although some things are swinging back that way. Um, This is the thing, and this is why I don't get Baylor as number one in the Big 12. Their offense needs to replace their quarterback. Jerry Bohannon is is transferring, and I know – Blake Shapin played a little bit last year, but he's now he's coming in as a third-year sophomore. He's the uh, de facto starter now. They've lost their top three rushers. Bohannon was one of those, as well as uh, as well as Abram Smith and uh, what was the other kid's name that went to the Bears? Tristan. Tristan Ebner, yeah, yeah. And then, Tay, Mc, Tay McWilliams is you know slated to be the starter. 
And he and they was lost their top two receivers as well. Yeah, and he and he was great. Don't get us wrong, ten yards per carry, but he had seventeen carries. Seventeen carries, like right. And so they, they lose their top two receivers, Tyquan Thornton and R.J. Snead. R.J. Snead. So. Yeah, they still have. Uh, no, they've lost. I think they lost their top four receivers. They get. They still have Ben Sims at tight end, don't they? Oh yeah, Sims is still there. Yeah, uh, but they did lose Thornton, Sneed, and Drew Estrada, and Ebner, so, who was fifth. <laughs> yeah, so like, it's it's a complete overhaul for them. Um, so we'll see what they do, man. Like, yeah, like you said, this is Dave Aranda has built this along the defense. They return. It worked they literally, last year. Yeah, they return their the middle of their defense. You know, they return Doyle, they return uh, Ika, and they return um, Gabe Hall. Like, that's that's a good core to build around. But, like like I said, J- Jalen Petrie um, losing all of your offensive production, it's going to be tough, man. Like, it's, a, it's definitely going to be an interesting season for them because they – scrape by in a couple of game big games and they won those games because of their defense right like you look at you look at their game against obviously Oklahoma State their defense makes a stand on the goal line right in the in the Big 12 championship game um you look at their their win over Oklahoma their defense really really put in yeoman's work there um, it, it's and and their offense had some clunkers in big games. You look at you know the Oklahoma State loss, um, and then and then even like the TCU loss. They only put up twenty eight points to a TCU team that was like we've talked about, just not very good, giving up thirty five points a game. Like it, it's really interesting that they're getting they're getting the nod here, but more interesting, um to me is that a guy the the like sleeper Heisman like the guy that's getting a lot of a lot of run right now is from the Big 12 and i think i think it's interesting uh because you look at you look at the Big 12 Bijan Robinson's not the guy that i'm talking about Quinn Ewers is not the guy I'm talking about. You're seeing a lot of late movement and support for Dylan Gabriel as as a Heisman dark horse. Um, what are the odds on him? He's now at plus twenty eight hundred. <laughs> so like the that's odds, a long shot. It is a long shot, but like all of a sudden he's the, the dark horse, like long shot guy. You you talked about it. That you know, I think Oklahoma did a really nice job to basically, you know, put some duct tape over over the holes. <laughs> but so to speak. Uh, does this tell you they're gonna run like some some super up tempo kind of offense? What what we saw to UCF? I mean, UCF's been they're they're snapping the ball with 19 seconds left on the clock, you know, and um, he's come. Gabriel's coming off a broken collarbone. He's not coming off like an ACL or, um, you know, something like Mackenzie Milton suffered. This is a collarbone heals up. He's he's gonna be fine. So I kind of like that. <laughs> I mean, well, so here's the thing. So this started about a month ago, and obviously, you know. We we went back and forth on when to have have the conversation about the Big Twelve, and they ended up here. Uh, but Stanford Steve from ESPN is the one that kind of started this. So on seven eighteen, when Stanford Steve made Dylan Gabriel his preseason pick to win the Heisman, Gabriel was at plus thirty three hundred, and his odds are now plus twenty eight hundred. So I mean, it's still a long Moving shot, like you said. Yeah, but like. We've talked about tastemakers before, right? Yeah. Like these guys, these guys move things. And that's. It's super boring to bet on Bryce Young or CJ Stroud at this point. Um, 
But even like Bijan's like plus two thousand. Like yeah, Quinn so Ewers, you could, you could bet Bijan or Tra- Travion Henderson, but Bijan is a player. He's going to have the, like all these Ohio State guys, uh, including Smith and Jigba. They're all going to steal votes from each other. Texas, if Ewers plays well, um, and then they've got another running back there, Roshan uh, Johnson is that his name? He's going to get some carries in uh, at Texas as well. I'm not saying that Bijan Robinson's not going to have a big year, but you've got all these at these other schools. You've got people uh, stealing thunder. You know, you, at Ohio State, you're going to have a three-headed monster with Stroud and, and Henderson and Smith and Jigba, and then Smith and Jigba is not going to catch two thousand yards with the passes because they've got other. Receivers coming up, Marvis Harrison and Mecca Buka coming up through the pipeline. You're going to have um, Jameer Gibbs and, and Bryce Young. And you know the Heisman voters, they don't like to give Heismans to the same guy twice, not since Archie Griffin. So um, maybe a USC guy can steal it, but are you, is USC going to have a good enough record this year in, in uh, Lincoln Riley's first year? to get it so in oklahoma as we've said we think they can win this conference this is a i kind of like this one seth i might have to put some some down on dylan gabriel i kind of like this anything else before we get out of here no just uh again check us out on patreon it's only two bucks a month Uh, it's uh cheaper than one starbucks regular coffee which has been brewing all day and sitting in that pot and you get the whole month for two bucks, and you get uh, what amounts to usually four or five bonus episodes per month. And we go all year round. Uh, we're covering college football. We're covering the NFL draft. And we are enjoying it the whole way. So thanks for everybody who listens to the, this feed as well. We appreciate you. And uh, tell your friends, because college football season is starting up in like two weeks. Maybe a little yep. bit longer. Right, about about two, two and a half weeks, and it's going to be a great season. Like Justin said, check us out on Patreon. Uh, we'll probably do t- some group of five next week and in independence, cover those teams. And, and, and to hype up this week, we're going to have a hot take on a guy that was just drafted, so you can find out what that's all about. A receiver, right? Yeah, thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back later this week with our patreon episode have a good night everybody thanks everyone we need to do an outro at some point that just something kind of what i hear in other shows is where they're like uh you know uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review sign up for our patreon it's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read, yeah. That's it. Right so, exactly. <laughs>